So last week before we started the share, so I put out a uh, clickbait on my WhatsApp status, posing a few questions regarding the halachas of Basar B'chalav, questions of can someone work at a, as a barista in Starbucks where they are required to warm up sandwiches which may contain non-kosher meat and non-kosher cheese. Together, that would be Basar B'chalav. Is that a problem of Bishul Basar B'chalav? Spoke about doing tests on butter in a laboratory and other similar questions. And someone commented that in the first year, I did not deliver. I did not deliver and say what the answer is for all those questions. So the truth is, it is very difficult to learn all of the halachas of Basar B'chalav in 35 minutes. Additionally, as stated last week, my goal is that people should be able to look at a Shiloh. And even though they might not necessarily have the final answer, the final psak, they could have an educated way of looking at the question, thinking through different possibilities of why something would be mutter, something might be usher, and that was really the point of, of raising these questions. So to review, some of the questions we asked were, uh, can, can someone attend culinary school, the Shiloh that came from Switzerland, or doing a cash, doing a cashless test in a lab laboratory where you have butter that might potentially contain animal fat. So that would be Bishul Basar B'chalav trying to distill and see the different boiling points of butter versus or the melting points to see if it contains Basar B'chalav. So we went through different possibilities. So just to review, there was the the Psak of, not the Psak, but the Pshat of the Kesef Mishnah on the Rambam, that perhaps the only Isser of Bishul Basar B'chalav is if one is going to end up eating it, However, in a situation where there's no concern you're going to eat it, you're, you're literally testing to see if it's kosher. Perhaps there would be no issue of Bishul Basar B'chalav. That was the that was the uh, concept posed by the Daiv Meisharim. That was his suggestion. However, we said most Paiskim argued with it. First of all, who knows if that is really the understanding of the Rambam? And second of all, that doesn't play a role in halacha. We have a nice understanding of the reason of Tami HaMitzvah, but that shouldn't affect the Halacha. And Halacha Lamais, we would not rely on that alone. Another uh, sugi we learned together, which shed light on a, a different shaila, is that, and perhaps on this as well, is the question of Ein Bishel Achar Bishel. We know when it comes to Halachas of Shabbos, when it comes to the Malach of Bishel, on a Deraisa level, if something was pre-cooked, and now you go and warm it up, there are questions of Chazara on Shabbos, but these are all Dirabanan questions. On a Dirabanan level, we pass in Ein Bishel Acher Bishel. Once it has already been cooked, to subsequently cook it again, to recook it, that's not called cooking, that's called warming up, that's called heating up, but that's not called cooking. So the question is, does that apply to Basar B'chalav? And this question, and the way we approach this, will have many ramifications in Halacha, how we define what is called Basar B'chalav, is there an Isr Hanan, certain objects, can one work as a barista or the like, or in culinary school? So we said there are three different opinions. The most extreme opinion was that who cares about Hilcha Shabbos when it comes to the Halachas of Basar B'chalav? Hilcha Shabbos, we could say Malachas Machshavah is also tired. There are different details. When it comes to Shabbos, Ein Bishel Acher Bishel. When it comes to Basar B'chalav, it could be yesh bishul acher bishul that when you're recooking, you're do, you're doing the act of mavashel basar b'chalav, and it should be usher. That is the extreme opinion le hachmir. There's an extreme opinion lahakel, which says we should literally whatever we do by Shabbos ein bishul acher bishul. So to ein bishul acher bishul when it comes to basar b'chalav, 
And even if these two items were cooked independently, once they were already cooked, you had a piece of pastrami which was cooked and milk that was pasteurized and it's considered mavoshal, it's considered cooked. Adding it together and cooking it together would not be a violation of bishal because ain't, ain't bishal acher bishal. So these are the two extreme opinions. The way we came out based on the Gilead Marsha and other Achorinim is that it depends. If when you're cooking it, you are now creating Basar B'chalav, these two items were independently cooked. You had milk that was cooked and pastrami that was cooked, but they weren't cooked together as Basar B'chalav. So by you putting them together, cooking it up, you are creating Basar B'chalav. And that is the textbook definition of Bishal Basar B'chalav. And it's Asr. However, if these two items were already cooked, you already had these items were cooked together. You had a Philly uh, steak sandwich, Philly cheese steak sandwich, and there's butter in there, there's meat, it's all cooked together. So to subsequently warm it up, you're working uh, as a flight attendant, you're working as a barista in Starbucks, and you're simply warming up something that was already cooked and cooked together. You're not adding an additional, you're not creating a new mixture. So then there is what to rely on. And we said in situations of, uh, of when someone needs a psak, this would be something a Paisuk will look at and say, oh, it's Ein Bish El And therefore, since it was already cooked together, someone who now uh, warms it up would not be in violation of Bishel Basar B'chalav because Ein Bishel Achar Bishel. Okay, so that was really last week's share. To introduce today's share, we'll also think, think about other, other Shilas. And again, the reason why I'm posing these questions are because, A, I just want to show that these questions actually come up halachalamaisa. And B, when you have a question, it's easier for you to look at the sugya and start making gedarim and start saying, oh, this is where, this is how we pass in here. This is a, a strong consideration in halacha. This is not a consideration. So that is why I like to teach via questions. So an extreme question would be, can someone burn garbage? Let's say you're protesting in uh, your local community, and the way the, pro the protest goes is that you're supposed to burn your garbage, you're burning dumpsters. Wouldn't there be a concern of milk and meat being cooked together in those dumpsters? In fact, there are people that don't necessarily burn garbage in protest. They live in rural Minnesota or Wisconsin, and I've heard about these things, and they, the, the garbage collection does not come to their house. So they burn their own garbage. They figure out how to uh, store it. They don't put garbage in garbage bags. They probably don't use plastic plates, but whatever, they figure out how to burn their garbage. Let's say you're living, you're a, uh, a redneck Jew, you're living in the middle of nowhere, and you want to know, can I burn my garbage? There might be milk and meat in this garbage. A more practical question, someone asked me, they were in Orlando on vacation. So sometimes as a rabbi, I get to know where people are. So sometimes it's literally, they're just uh, flexing where they are. Someone once called me from Hawaii, Rabbi, what bracha do you make on, I don't know, it was pizza or something? What, I'm in Hawaii, what bracha do you make on this? So the truth is you make the same bracha no matter if you're in Hawaii or you're stuck at home in Brooklyn. It doesn't make a difference. But anyways, sometimes they like to tell the rabbi as a flex where they're holding in life. Anyways, this person rented a villa. They rented an apartment and officially everything was supposed to be clean upon entry. They come to the, they're, they're about to use the oven and it looks relatively clean, but this fellow puts his hand on the, on, on, the, uh, on the window and over the racks, and it's filthy, it's dirty. He was planning on kashering. Now, this fellow was a Talmud Chacham. He knows that there are two ways to kasher an oven, let's assume. One way is self-clean it. You don't have to clean anything. You put it on self-clean, assuming this, the self-clean cycle gets really hot. It gets up to 900 degrees. You burn the whole thing out, and there's no problem. You could now use the oven. You just kasher the oven. However, not all ovens have this type of self-clean. Self 
self-clean method. Additionally, you run the risk of breaking ovens. I've heard many stories every Pesach of people breaking their ovens as they're trying to cash for Pesach, and then two days before Pesach, they end up without an oven. So I typically would tell people to use the alternative method of kashering, just as an eight to title. What's the alternative method of kashering? It would be cleaning it. You need to have clean, uh, clean equipment. You clean it very well. And then you turn it on the highest setting for 90 minutes. That's the way to kasher an oven because ovens are typically used with just, uh, it would be just zea, just steam. There would not be pizza on the oven floor that you're actually going to eat. So let's say you're kashering a pizza oven that you need to have a much higher level of kashering. But let's say if a regular rack oven that things are baked on pans, on sheet pans, on regular pans. So in that case, you turn on the highest setting after it's been cleaned and that's how you kasher an oven. Either way, this fellow says, Ellie, I cannot clean the oven. It is so disgusting, I cannot clean it. I'm not gonna kasher it. I have a different idea. I'll take my piece of salmon. I bought a raw piece of salmon from Costco. I'll double wrap it in a 9 by 13 pan and I'll cook it, I'll bake it in the oven and I don't have to worry about kashras. I'm double wrapping, shouldn't be a problem. Fine, that's what we agreed. But then he tells me, hold on a second, when I turn on the oven, the oven's going to get hot and all the junk that's in this oven, on the oven floor, on the, on the walls, are going to start getting cooked. And perhaps yesterday or two days ago, someone half drunk ate a, uh, you know, warmed up a slice of pizza, non-kosher pizza that contained pepperoni, we'll call it basar bachal of cheese and meat, and that cheese and meat spilled on the oven floor. And by me turning on the oven now or toaster oven at work, whatever similar situation you could think of, perhaps what I'm doing now is I am actually cooking basar bachal that was his question. He wants to know, is this called Bishop Basar B'chalav? So before we start thinking about new heterim that we're going to learn today, we have some heterim from last week, perhaps, Ein Bishop Lachar Bishop. If it was already cooked together, it would not be called Bishop Lachar Bishop. That would be a significant uh, thing to uh, think about. But let's see if there's any other Aetis, and, and we're going to, going to see that we're going to, to have to figure out every situation What's called Bishel, what's called Basar, what's called Chalav. So it's a good question to think about how would we paskin in such a, in such a scenario. Let's look at the Ramah. If we look inside on the Ramah, Simon Pei and Sif Aleph, the Ramah, and I think the Ramah is coming as an in- introduction to the rest of the Simon, because if you think about it, Simon Pei should be very short. There's an Isra, there's a prohibition of Basar B'chalav, of cooking milk and meat together. Don't cook, don't eat it, and don't benefit from it. However, what we're going to see throughout Simon Pei Zion is that not everything is Asr Behana, not everything is Asr Bebishel, and not everything is Asr Bechilas. The Ramah here says that Kol Basr Bechalav She'enai Asr Menatara, all Basr Bechalav that's not Asr Menatara, meaning it's not going to be the Isr Darais, the textbook Isr of Vesavashel Gedi Bechalevi Mai. So then it's Mutter Behana. One can benefit from it. So for example, if you're thinking, let's say, uh, you ordered something on Instacart or from your favorite uh, non-kosher supermarket and they threw in something that, that contains basar b'chalav. And you want to know, can I give it to my cleaning lady as a gift? So we would assume that's called hana, you're benefiting from it. There's some hana you're giving as a gift. As uh, the Aruch HaShulchan says, all gifts are trades. So it's really a benefit, you're really benefiting from it. So I have to know, if it's a basar b'chalav d'araisa, I cannot give it as a gift to my cleaning lady. But if it's only Basar B'chalav on a Durabana level, there would be a Heter Hana. So that's really what the Ramah is saying. And we're going to see where, where uh, we could apply this sack of the Ramah. 
The question is, where does the Ramah get this from? How does the Ramah know that, that there's no Isidra Banan on Hana? And to explain the question, let's analyze this for a minute. There's an Isra of eating, having Hana, or cooking Basa B'chalav on a Deraisa. So Chazal came along and said, there's also an Isra of eating Basa B'chalav on a Deraisa level. And the easiest example, which most people know, is that chicken and milk is only Asim and Deraisa. Only Gedi, not Oif. Oif is not considered meat on a Deraisa level, and therefore Oif B'chalav is Mutter Midaraisa, but Midarabanan it's Asr to eat Oif B'chalav. So the question is, why would Chazat only make the Isr on the Achila on a Deraisa level? They should also say there's Asr Behana and Asr Babishal on a Deraisa level. That's the question. So Misvara, one could, one could argue that logically it makes sense since eating is something that's Asr. Throughout Yoridea, we find Isra Achila. You can't, uh, can't eat Bishal Akum. You can't eat uh, Dam. Achila is something that we find all over the place. Bishal and Hana, they're very limited scenarios where we actually say, say something's Asr Bahana. You have to get into Hilchas Chametz or Klai HaKerem. Very few things are Asr Bahana. And Bishal, the only thing that's Asr Bishal is Bishal Basr Bahana. So it could be that from a logical standpoint, Chazal didn't want to add new chumras, agave chumras. So achila fits with, with a siyag from a derabanan standpoint. Achila, abishal, and, and hana would be a stretch. That would be a svara, and perhaps that's where the Ramah got it from. However, the Acharyan point out the Ramah is coming off a Mordechai. What's the Mordechai? There's a Mordechai in Avodah So to introduce this, this topic, I'll just relate a conversation I had Friday night. So on Friday night, I had... One of my one of my neighbors, she was in the house Friday night, and she asked, she asked me that she's a Gyaris, she grew up in Wisconsin, and she loves cheese. And she said every time, you know, every year since she's uh, she, she's she's become Jewish, she's become from Shemitah Mitzvah. So whenever she goes, she's driving back to visit her family, you go into the gas station, and every gas station in Wisconsin, which I, I frequent, they they sell all types of cheeses. Aged, uh, snack type cheese, all types of cheese is are being sold in Wisconsin. As you can imagine, the cheese heads, all your Green Bay Packer fans, cheese is uh, is the currency in Wisconsin. So she's always looking for hashkacha and cheese. And she asked, how come I never find cheese with hashkacha? They don't use animal rennet anymore, so there's no non-kosher, there's no trafe ingredients there. So why can I not find cheese with hashkacha? I told her it's an excellent question. And I explained there's a Mishnah. The Mishnah by the Zara says, these things are Asur Ba'achila, one cannot eat. These items, and one of them is Givinas Akum. Cheese made by a non-Jew. There's an Isidra Banan, one cannot purchase this cheese. So how do you have kosher cheese? You need a year, you need a Shamir Shabbos to be involved in the cheese production. Whether that means to see it or to actually put the rennet into the milk, that's Machlaikas Ruma and the Shach. But there has to be some involvement in order to create Gvinas Yisrael. But without Gvinas Yisrael, the item is non-kosher on a Dirabana level. And you could see this as a significant expense for the company to hire a mashkiach, to hire a rabbi, to come down to the plant to actually supervise the cheese making. So that's why most companies will not make Gvinas Yisrael unless they have a specific customer base whether it's in New York or, or California or maybe Chicago, where they know that these customers are looking for kosher cheese, but for the most part, they're not interested in the expense and the headache. And therefore, if you go to your local non-Heimish supermarket and look at the cheese 
uh, aisle. In the refrigerator, you will not find too many hard cheeses that have ashkok. And this is the reason. The reason is because Gvinas uh, Yisrael has a significant cost. There's mashkiach involved, and it's not simply based on ingredients. Now, the Gemara asks, why? What's the reason for this takana de Rabbanon that one cannot purchase cheese from a nachri? What's the big deal? So the Gemara goes through very, you know, a few different, a few different uh, possible reasons. But the way the Shulchan Aruch brings it down as the conclusion of the Gemara is that the Gemara says that since there is a concern that the Nachri would use animal rennet in the production of the cheese, because they they realized that the the um, the enzymes and the and the, and the bacteria and all the good things that are in the lining of the stomach of a cow or a young calf create. Cheese, if you add it to milk, it, we'll talk about this in, in Hilchas Gvina, how it works from a scientific standpoint, but either way, it, it, uh, it bonds the proteins, the casein protein, and the fat, and you have what we call cheese. So perhaps they use the lining of the stomach of a cow. The cow would be nevela, and we are concerned they use the nevela rennet, a non-kosher rennet, in the production of a cheese, and therefore one cannot consume it. Now, by the way, so, so, my, so my neighbor asked, but they don't do it anymore. Most companies are not doing it anymore. The truth is this was a better argument 30 years ago when out, nobody was doing it. However, today, with, uh, with the more uh, sophisticated palate, many, many cheese companies actually do use animal rennet. Specifically, artisan cheese uses animal rennet. Uh, there's actually some kosher cheeses that have artisan that have uh, that have kosher rennet in it, animal rennet. It's a good question how they make it. So we'll discuss this later on in this simon, the simon pezayin. The place can discuss how to make kosher artisan cheese from uh, from Italy. You'll see, which I think Trader Joe's has one, or they used to have this cheese ball product with a hashkach on it. So we'll discuss how this is how this is produced. But today, you don't have that same idea, that knowledge, and nobody's using it now. Either way. Even in the 70s, or whenever you had this question of that nobody's using animal rennet, the, the, the problem is everyone agrees that this gazera was a Dover Shanesser Baminian, and even if the reason no longer applies, which I'm telling you today it does apply, but even if it no longer would apply, there would still be the gazera of Givinus Akam, and even if nobody was using animal rennet, one cannot consume cheese that was not made with a Yisrael. Either way, that's the Yisrael of Givinus Akam. So coming back, what does it have to do with Basar B'chalav? So the Mordechai asks, if you think about it, you have a piece of nevela, which is meat, it's basar, it comes from a cow, it's meat, and it's being added to the, to the milk. So isn't that basar b'chalav? Now, it's not basar b'chalav deraisa because cheese is typically not cooked. You could subsequently cook it, but that's not part of the cheese making. Mozzarella cheese, they cook it after the cheese has already been set and, it's, and they stretch it, and you have a breakdown, breakdown of, the, of the proteins and it's easier for you to stretch it and it's great for pizza. But that's a specific uh, recipe for mozzarella cheese. Most cheeses are not cooked. So the question is, you see that it's basar b'chalav, at least on a Durabana level, and the Gemara never mentions that there's asr, it's asr bahana. In fact, the Mishnah says, ve'elu asurum ba'achila umutarum bahana. A person could have hana from this cheese. So you see from here that, you're, that there's no isr dirabanan on hana on basar b'chalav on a Durabana level. What does that mean? This... Is, is potentially basar b'chalav because there's meat and milk in this cheese. Now, it's not derabonon because it wasn't cooked together, but it's derabonon. So it makes sense. It's isra but there's no isra hana. 
The Mishnah says you're allowed to sell it. You could sell it in your store. There's no Isser Hana on this cheese. And therefore, the Mordechai says, we have a Yesoid, that any time, this is what the Ramah is coming off of. Toysus has a different kasha, which it could be we're asking uh, ourselves. Now that we've been you know, shown this sugi on Abad Zara, Toysus says, hold on. Why does the Gemara have to say Nevela, even Basar, even if it was kasher, they took Milmart or Solomon's or Ali, Rosenblatt's, uh, rennet, 100% glak kasher, chasidish shechita rennet, and he added it to the milk, it's also a problem. Even if the guy used kosher rennet, it would still be a problem because of Basar Bechala. That's Toysus kasher. Why does the Gemara have to say Nevela? It simply could have said any meat. So Toysus says that that basar b'chala in this case would only be an isidra banan because it's not cooked together. So let's think about it. Chazal should make a gzera, don't buy cheese from a nakri because perhaps he put in meat and that would create basar b'chala. That wouldn't create basar b'chala on a derais level. It would create a basar b'chala on a derabana level and it would only be a suffix if he did it or not. So suffix derabana lakula and therefore we are not concerned for basar b'chala there because it would only be a suffix on a derabana. But nevela is also midaraisa to eat. It's 100% nevela. Even if it wasn't cooked with the milk, you cannot eat nevela. That's why the Gemara chose nevela instead of basar b'chala. So Rabbi Kedeger here in Ice Gimel points out, according to Taisvis, you have no raya. Like the Mordechai. The Mordechai was saying, what about basar b'chala? So he says, we're not concerned. On, we're not concerned for there's no Isser Hana on a Durabana level. Toysus would say, maybe if you knew that they actually put meat in it, there is an Isser Hana on a Durabana level. So why does the Mishnah say it's Mutaram Bahana? Because it's only a suffix. I don't know he put meat in there. So suffix Durabana Lakula outs Basar Bechalav. And suffix Hana would also be only a Durabana. It's not cooked together. Suffix Durabana Lakula and it, it will be Mutar. So that is the back and forth. Perhaps we have a source in the Rishonim for this Ramah. The Mordechai clearly uh, supports this. Not so clear if Taisvis would support it. Just by the way, for extra credit, Rabbi Kivager here asks, if we are concerned for, according to the Mordechai, if you're concerned for Basa B'chala, although you want to tell me there's no Isser Hana, but there should be an Isser Abishal, that if you took this cheese, even though it's, you're not going to eat it, it's not kosher, but there should be an Isser Abishal on this cheese. And you're going to tell me it's only a suffix. But if you cook it, it will be a deraisa. So perhaps it will be an iser of bishul, basu b'chalav, on the sheet. That's Rabbi Kivayger's kash, and he leaves it as a tzarachim. There, there is a, one of the achorinim to say the following chiddush. It would help us answer Rabbi Kivayger in the Mordechai. And again, this is extra credit. Lambdas, we do not pass like this. But he says that perhaps, according to, according to what we learned last week, in bishul, bishul, that if two items were already cooked together, and you subsequently warm it up, so that there's no problem of bishul basar b'chalav because ain't bishul achar bishul. What if you had product that was not cooked together but was soaked together? You had a piece of meat, and this piece of meat was was left in your refrigerator, and the milk spilled and it pooled into the meat, and you had kavush. You had something that was soaked in milk for 24 hours. A piece of meat was soaked in milk for 24 hours. We're going to see that as far as bleeds are concerned, there's significant impact here. But as far as bishul basu b'chalav, that did not cook, it wasn't cooked, wasn't cooked together. It's not called bishul basu b'chalav. Meaning the soaking did not create, uh, the person who soaked it did not violate basu b'chalav. Let's say you would subsequently cook it. So according to what we said last week, it really depends. If the problem is creating basu b'chalav together, 
It has already been created. The milk has, has seeped in. It might not be called Derech Bishel, but the milk has gone into the meat. So I do have Basar B'chalav. However, I didn't have Bishel Basar B'chalav because it wasn't, yet, uh, it wasn't cooked yet. So perhaps this would answer the Mordechai, but the reason why there's no Isra of cooking non-kosher cheese is because the product was already added, to, it was already mixed together. It's called Basar B'chalav. Now, it got mixed in, a, in an odd way, a non-visual way, but it's still mixed. It's already basar b'chalav, and therefore there will be no isser of subsequently cooking it. Again, this is extra credit. We did not pass like that, but if that would help us answer the tzarech ingin of Rabbi Kivega on the Mordechai, I'm leaving it as uh, liesser ingin. If someone wants to go into it on a deeper level, here's where to look. Okay, so now that we know this yisoid from the Ramah, debatable if Toysus holds like it, but the Mordechai definitely holds like it. The Rabbim holds like this. Any time you have a mixture of basar b'chalav that's not uh, considered Basar B'chalav on a De'araisa level, one is allowed to benefit, one could have Hana from, from this Basar B'chalav. I want to move on to the, defi- the definition of Bishal. What's called Bishal? The Torah says, How do we understand what Bishal is? So there's a micro and macro conversation on Bishal. The micro is what we're going to see later on in the simon regarding smoking meat and milk together. We'll talk about steaming. We'll talk about microwaves, Bezat Hashem, and induction cooktops. But that's the micro, you know, nitty-gritty details of what's called Bishal or not. On the macro level, the question is, if someone cook something without using liquid. You uh, you grill something, you grill basar b'chalav together. I'm told the way they make cheeseburgers is you simply put the cheese on, on the burger, either on the grill or off the grill. You're not having a liquid of, of bishul basar b'chalav. So the question is, is that really called bishul basar b'chalav? Now, the merchak tavi lachmai, the source to analyze this sugya is a Gemara Sanhedrin. The Gemara Sanhedrin of Dalad is in the sugya of Yesh aim le mikra or yesh aim le mesiris. What does that mean? That means sometimes you have words that could be writ- that could be read different ways, depending on the nakudos, depending on the, the missing letters and how and how to uh, how to correctly read the word. So, if you look sometimes in your chumash, it will say a kri and a ksiv. The kri is the way we know to read it. The ksiv is what was passed down to us. This text, the way it's written. So we have a similar debate in Sanhedrin. Do we say yesh aim lemikra or yesh aim lemasiris? So lemikra means the kri, how it's read, and yesh aim lemasiris is how it's written. Which one is uh, is the correct halachic source? The Gemara goes through different uh, different words. Kapos tamarim, kapas. Is it talking about alulav? Is it not talking about alulav? The Gemara has many kashas. At some point, the Gemara says checkmate. I'll show you that it must be. Yesh aim lamikra that we go with how you read it. What's the example the Gemara gives? The Gemara says we know there's an isra of basar b'chalav. Everyone knows. You ask any person on the street, are you allowed to eat milk and meat together? They'll say no. Of course not. It's called basar b'chalav. We're learning hilchas basar b'chalav. If you look in the Torah, the Torah says ches lamidays. If you go with yesh aim la mesiris, that you go with how it's written, ches lamidays could be read bechelav. It can be read bechelevimai. Once you not cook meat in the fat of its mother, bechelevimai. That would be the way to understand it if you hold yesh aim lamasiris. But nobody, no, nobody learns like that. Everyone knows it's bechalav or chalev. That's the milk. Everyone knows that. So it must be from the fact that you look around. True, you walk around town. Is there an iser bus bechalav? Everyone says yes. 
And we learn it from Moshe Vashikadi, Bachaladimai. It must be we don't care how it's written, that it's Ches Lamed Beis and could be read as Chelev. We care about how people read it. So it's a riot from here, Yesh Aim Lamikra. Checkmate, nobody argues on this Talacha. So the command of Dalar Lamed Beis says, not so fast. It could be there are other reasons, in, other indications in that Pasuk that tell me how to read the Pasuk. Meaning, typically, we could have said Yesh Aim. And it could be read as chelev, and it could be understood as chelev, but I'll tell you why, for other reasons, it cannot be read as chelev. Why? So the Gemara says, The Torah asserted derech bishol. The Torah is telling me there's an issue of cooking milk and meat together, or something together. There's an issue of cooking meat with ches lamed base together. And therefore, it must be talking about milk, and it cannot be talking about fat. Why is that? So Rashi says, Rashi says that cooking is, is typically with a liquid, a liquid medium. So chalav is solo, it's a liquid. Kamayim, v'ikobishol, that's called bishol. Avachelev, enoibishol, it's not called bishol, elatigun, it's called frying. And frying is not called cooking. So when the Torah says, it's not talking about frying and fat, it must be talking about cooking. So we have arrived from there that, that even if we say, the way to, to learn this Pasuk has to be chalav. It cannot mean chalav because chalav cooks and chalav does not cook. Okay. Now, the pre says, don't bring me any raya from here. That's simply telling me that the Torah would choose a word that fits most appropriately with Bishal. Chalav fits more appropriately with Bishal than Chalav. Chalav is Tigan. Chalav is Bishal. But don't bring me a halacha, an afkamina, that there's no isra of frying meat in butter. No, don't, don't, don't say that. It's just simply trying to figure out what the word means. That's the pre-chadish understanding of Rashi. However, Toysvis clearly does not learn like that. And most most points can say Rashi himself held that when the Torah says Loisavashal, it's talking about a strict definition of Bishal. It's talking about cooking in a liquid, which we know as milk. And if it's not being cooked in a liquid, it's fried, or as Toysavis adds, if it's roasted, there is no Isser of Bishal Basar Bechala. That's Toysavis, that's, that's Rashi. Some of the players can bring this down. They bring down this sack of Toysavis, the Arachashulchan brings it down, that it could be there is no isra of bishul basubchal when it comes to tzli. So going back to our McDonald's case, if someone was cooking and flipping burgers at McDonald's, according to Rashi and according to Tosfos, he probably did not violate the bishul of basubchal because adding meat to cheese, even if it's al ha'esh, is not called anything more than tzli. It's roasting. There's no liquid medium. You're not cooking meatballs in a cream sauce. And this is how they learn this soya. However, there's a second teretz in Tosfos. Tosfos says you read the Gemara wrong. The Yesh mefarshim different shot. The Gemara wants to know how to read this word Ches Lamed Beis. Is it Chelev or is it Chalav? And the Gemara says Abariah. It says What does that mean? It means the Torah is telling me that I had two things that were mutter, two things that were permitted to, to be consumed. And through the cooking together, I now created an Isser. So now which one could it be? Could it be Chalav? Or could it be chelev? It can't be chelev because chelev was already aser. There's an iser there, right? There's a chiyav karis to eat chelev. So it can't be derech bishol aser Torah. The Torah now created an iser through the, the bishol. It didn't create an iser through the bishol. If we're talking about chelev, chelev was aser 10 minutes ago, before you cooked it. So it must be, it's talking about chalev. And that's what the Gemara means, derech bishol aser Torah. So we have a tremendous machlekes in the Rishonim. 
Is there an Isser Daraisa of Bishop Basabachalov when it comes to Tzli, when it comes to Tigun? According to the first understanding in Taisvis and the way we understood Rashi, there is no Isser. According to the second Pshan in Taisvis and the Prichadash, there's definitely an Isser of Bishul Basabachalov when it comes to Tigun, when it comes to Tzli. In fact, if you look in, in the Sechtos Pesachim, Based on the Pasuk, the Pasuk says, You cook the, the carbon Pesach and you eat it. We know you cannot cook the carbon Pesach. You, you, you passled it. It has to be kiyim It has to be it has to be roasted. Yet the Torah calls something roasted bishol. Whether you cook, whether you fry, whether you roast on Shabbos, so very difficult to, in light of these other rayas, there's another raya from, from a Farshas Chala that is called cooked when you, when you fry something. And it's not chayiv and chala, it's not called baked. There's a whole slew of rayas back and forth, and it's very difficult to be makel straight up and say when someone roasts basar b'chalav that there is no iser bishul because you have taisvis in the second shot, you have achrenim bringing rayas from all over shas. Very difficult to be makel on sli tigun at least. You don't have the beferish raya from carbon pesach. The pre the says b'shas achak makam hefsed a person could rely on. This, that, that Tigun is not considered cooking. The Aruch HaShulchan is even more makel. He says, B'Sha'a a person can rely on Taisvis that roasting is not considered Bishul. So that, that's a Machlekes found in the Rishonim, trickling all the way down, all the way down to the Achorinim. Based on this Gemara, a seemingly uh, distant Gemara of Yesh Eim Lamikra or Yesh Eim Lamasiris. So I want to go back to some of the questions we, we posed in the beginning and we'll introduce Briefly, uh, the next topic. So we asked regarding burning a garbage can. Burning a garbage can, is there any issue of, of burning garbage? Or the, the milk and meat that's in the bottom of the oven when you're simply trying to warm up your salmon in your vacation villa in Orlando. So you have last week's consideration of Ein Bishel Now you have a new heter perhaps that we said it that even if it was simply soaked together in when it comes to garbage you'd have to figure out from a mathematical standpoint how much meat is really in this garbage because chicken there's no problem of cooking chicken we learned that if there's no iser on a uh, on a derisa level there'll be no iser of, of cooking it so you have to figure out how much meat is actually in the in the garbage but perhaps you have another heter of tzli that's not called cooking you're roasting and according to Taisvis, using an open flame is not called cooking and therefore, you have another reason to allow this burning in the, in, the, in the garbage or burning out an oven. Perhaps there's another hector. Up until now, we've been discussing someone cooking. You're cooking, you're roasting a cheeseburger, <coughs> you're making meatballs in a cream sauce. That's Bishul Basu However, perhaps independent of the argument regarding tzli, there's another hector that you're not cooking, you're destroying. When you see someone burning garbage, you know, they're not cooking, it's not a cookout. They're destroying it. So it could be ma'abed, destroying something, sreifa, burning something is not called bishul. It's not a problem of bishul basabhalov. And that's a head to some of that one and bring bring down. Some bring a raya from Sechtas Tamura, Veiluhin on the and we're not gonna get into that raya. It's not a, not the strongest raya in the world. But this is what some of the Paiskim uh present as a reason why there will be no issue of burning. Garbage cans. Again, you have the other hetarium as well, in Bishlach Bishol and Bittel and and uh, and other considerations, but these are and sleep, but ultimately perhaps there's a hetar that you're destroying and you're not cooking. Now there is a question on this from our Simon. The Pischei Chuva brings down the following a fascinating Shiloh. He brings down in the Ice Dalid 
from the Tshuva Sharafrayim. The Tshuva Sharafrayim has a fascinating shot. Let's say you had butter that was that was heated up in a fleshic pot that was used that day. So the butter is Basar Bechalov. Now, let's say you wanted to use that as your Hanukkah candles. Now, we, we, we already know there might be a Heter Vishlach Let's put that aside. So his question is, now it's really a Hanukkah, it's a fascinating Hanukkah pilpul because we know there's an Isser Hanah on Basar Bechalov. And on the other hand, the mitzvah is lovely, Hanis Nitna. You're not really getting Hanah from the candles. On the other hand, it could be there's it's, it's lacking in the shear if it's if it's Asr Bahnah, So it's a whole Hanukkah pilpul. We're not learning Hilchas Hanukkah now. But at the core, there's a question of Bishul Basar Bachalov. If their taka is meat or beef tallow in this uh in this butter, or blias of meat in the butter, and you're cooking it. You are now cooking Bishel, you're cooking Basar B'chalav. And the place can say that there's an issue. There's an issue of using candles that contain Basar B'chalav. Now, forget about the Bishel Achabishel part, but let's assume it wasn't cooked yet. There'll be an issue of using these candles. So the question is, on one hand, we're saying it should be mutter because al-sreifa, burning the chunk in the oven or the dumpster is mutter al-sreifa. You're destroying it. On the other hand, the Hanukkah candles, you're also, you're doing sreifa, you're burning it. Shouldn't that be mutter as well? So I saw the Oiz Vahadar uh, edition on Shulchanar Chochaz Basim Chalav. You should get your hands on it. Excellent uh, safer. So he says the following Chiluk uh, Misvara. He says that when you're lighting candles, that's not called destroying. Of course, the way a candle is lit is by the flame consuming the wax. But the truth is when you eat, you're also destroying. You're destroying that bagel for breakfast. But nobody calls that destroying ma'abe. That's called eating. That's called consuming. That's called enjoying. So it could be that there's an isra of bishul when you're actually cooking in, in a productive way. But And, and in, in the candle, there is some productivity. You're able to see the light. But when you burn garbage, everyone sees it as, as destructive. So perhaps that's a chilek between these two uh, these two shilas. But definitely requires uh, clarity to know if we, in fact, do paskin differently between the candle and the burning of garbage. So that would be another eight. So when you have this uh, this oven that's full of junk on the bottom, you could say it's not called cooking. That's simply called burning. And if you're keeping track of our heterim, you have a heter of tzli, you have a heter of of ein bishalach bishal, and I have a new heter that it's not called cooking, it's called sreifa. We're going to see there's a fourth heter that regarding sveikas, maybe there's a suffix if it's even, there's even basa b'chalavir, and it's a Darvashin Meschavin. We'll get into Hilcha Shabbos when we discuss this. The Ramah brings it down in, in, in a few weeks. Mirta Shem will learn that Ramah regarding using these type of toasters or these ovens. So the next topic which we will discuss in Mirta Shem is the halachis of Hana, of benefiting from Basu B'chalos. So I'll give it an easy example is when you got the wrong order from your store, can you gift it to your cleaning lady? So that's called Hana. But a more common question is doing business. Selling uh, non-kosher food in your in your vending machine in your gas station, so it would it would be uh, we would be remiss if we didn't discuss the halachis of schayra, which are found in Simon Kofi Zayin in Yeridea, that one is not allowed to run a business that sells non-kosher food. So we'll see you know just a brief uh, summary of what those halachis are. We'll do a, uh, a more deeper dive Hashem at the right time. But for now, we'll simply just highlight where that applies, where that doesn't apply. And of course, how when you're dealing with Basra B'chalav, it makes it much worse. Samaritashem to be continued.